good morning, beloved. Um, I'm Jonathan Coleman, one of the pastors here at Anderson Hills. Uh, I welcome you, and uh, also those who are viewing online, uh, watching us from various places. Um, we've been, past few weeks, uh, looking at the Beatitudes, the teachings of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. And last week, we started with chapter 6 and some of the things that Jesus warns against and greed and other things and displaying uh, for show uh, piety and other things. And so today, we're going to look at uh, how Jesus talks about our treasure and generosity. And so let's take a look at Matthew chapter 6, 19 through 24. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, and if your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. And if the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one or love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You know, as Americans, we're very familiar with these terms like investment or pension or ROI, return on investment. I vividly recall in 1995 being appointed to Union Plains United Methodist Church just above Mount Orb, Ohio, my very first pastorate, and I was a student at Asbury, and I was being introduced along with Kim to the staff parish relations, which is like the PR people or the folks that uh, introduce the pastor to the congregation and see if it was, it's a good match and everything. And I remember Shirley went through the salary package of my part-time salary. It was $8,700 per year, seriously. <laughs> but we were blessed to have a parsonage, and they paid for all of our electric and everything. She got on a topic at the end. She started talking about the pension payment that the church would make for us. I remember I raised my hand. I was only 24 years old, and I said, what's a pension? <laughs> I had no idea what a pension is. And, of course, here was Norma Cleveland. She just burst out laughing. She goes, he doesn't even know what a pension is. And so I never thought about it. And now I look at my 403B from time to time, and I know exactly what it is. You know, I don't, I'm not the kind looking at it daily. But you know what? We're very familiar on how the market affects our pension in many other ways and, and our investments and other things. And in the past, you've seen horrific things happen when the stock market crashes. You hear of people committing suicide because they've put all of their trust into that. And it's so, so tragic. And so it begs the question, where are you investing? In God's word today, Jesus gives us a warning to make sure our spiritual investment is primary. He states, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where Nothing can destroy it. And he gets into the details there. And then he starts talking about the heart. Where your heart is, that is where it is. And so Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart. Defend your heart. 
for everything you do flows from it. And so Jesus is getting to the heart there of how greed can captivate our hearts in existence. Jesus knew how crippling trusting solely in money can be. Do you know he spent, 50, he spent 15% of his message throughout the Gospels on money and on wealth? He uses the word, store up, lay up treasure on earth. I looked at the original language of this, and it's compares, it compares with the, the word we know about the thesaurus. A thesaurus is a treasury of words. And he's talking about how we have a treasury here that we built up that's with the eternal in God. So it, I want to make it plain from the onset, Jesus is not saying it's, it's, it's not wrong to have money. In fact, the Apostle Paul, when he talks to Timothy, he says, command those who are rich and in this present age not to be haughty, nor trust in uncertain riches, but trust in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. So do you have a nice home? Enjoy it. Do you drive a nice car? Enjoy it. Do you wear nice clothes? Enjoy it. There's nothing wrong with possessing possessions. It's wrong when your possessions possess you and fill you in that evil that can take over. The problem is not what we own, but what owns us. And so the key phrase here is the words on earth. The issue is laying treasures on earth. You know, I heard about a some godly parents that took their junior high kids to a junkyard. And this mom and dad walked silently through the junkyard as their kids followed them. And they saw rusty cars, uh, toys that were twisted, decomposing bicycles. And after some time, the dad stood in front of that stuff. And he said to his kids, years ago, kids, people were working hard to acquire this stuff. Now look at it. It's worthless. He said, this car here probably took years to pay off, and here it is. Look at it. And he said, we love you. Please, always remember this excursion. Never put material things or money ahead of God. I want to talk to Matt Howe and our children's ministry team. Maybe we can do a field trip to the local uh, junkyard, you know. But this is what Jesus is talking about. Man, that rust can just get at it. And it just is nothing compared to the spiritual that we can encounter. You see, greed takes us further from God. But generosity makes us more like God. Think about God as being a giver and bestowing his grace and benefits onto you. God desires to fill us with all spiritual benedic, uh, benefits or benediction to go out so that we can exist for the benefit of others by living generously. And greed is the opposite, though. It lies. It tells us to keep and use for self. Greed says that a quality of a person's life is not measured by what they give, but by the size of their bank account or what they keep and hoard to themselves. The world tells us to hold on to, to, hold on to these things. Well, the opposite of Jesus is lavishly give them away. In Luke 11, he says, ask and it shall be given unto you. And what he's talking about is not anything material. It's about the spiritual benefits of investing in the fullness of God and investing in the fact that God wants us to be like him. 
So when it comes to our spiritual investments, the goal is really no different. Like any earthly situation, you want to invest in such a way that brings you the greatest return on your investment. Do we invest in advancing God's kingdom here on earth? What we're doing is thinking maybe about a future-oriented mindset or laying for ourselves uh, treasures that can benefit others and actually help lead others into the kingdom of God. And rust is not going to destroy that, man. Thieves are not going to be able to steal that at all, nor vermin. There's no safer investment, my friends. You know, none of what is ours is really ours. Think about it for a second. Your gifts and everything that you have worked hard for is given by God. You're just conduit of those gifts. So take what he uh, has given you and be a good steward with it to invest in his kingdom. And I tell you what, you'll receive back time and time again, fold, two, twofold, threefold, a hundredfold to max, maximize those eternal rewards. You see, greed can kill your spiritual life. Generosity helps you grow spiritually, and St. Paul gets into that with the fruit of the Spirit. He says, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All of these can help us grow, and when you look at it, all those fruit of the Spirit, they're actually saturated or soaked in generosity because you have to give all of those things to others. And so they're permeated with generosity. Greed has the opposite effect. St. Paul writes to Timothy and warns, in their eagerness to be rich, some have wandered away from the faith and have pierced themselves with many pains. Think about that word, wander. It's so true. People just start to wander and glide off into the ways and ill rhythms of the world. I like, uh, how would you like some Christmas in July? (laughs) Around the holidays, I always watch uh, the classic Charles Dickens, A Christmas Carol. I love it when Jacob Marley's ghost just comes in to that living room or, you know, Ebenezer Scrooge sitting by the fireplace, you know, and he, he, he's fettered with chains, chains. And he gives Scrooge this warning. He says, I wear the chains that I forged in life. I made it link by link. Yard by yard, I guarded it on my own free will. And by my own free will, I wore it. And then he goes, can you imagine the weight and length of the chain you bear? It was as heavy and long as this seven Christmas Eves ago. Yours is a ponderous chain. And you see throughout the tale, we see Scrooge looks at the impact of his greed and how he did wander away from who he truly was. My favorite part of the the movie is when he changes. He gets up and he realizes he hasn't died. What does he do? He goes crazy nuts with generosity. And it's so cool to watch. And I giggle like a schoolboy every time I watch that thing, man. You see, joy comes when we begin to, to pour and exist for the benefit of others. I always get back more when I give. Whatever you give in life is, will always be brought back plus, plus, plus. And it's about reaping and sowing. Greed also brings regret. 
In Matthew chapter 19, there was this rich man that came to Jesus and said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus knew that this man was held captive by his wealth. And after getting into some of the laws and some of the things and challenges there, at the end of the encounter, Jesus says, if you want to be perfect, go sell all your possessions and then come and follow me. And we see the regret with this person. It's tragic. It says this young man heard this and he went away sad because he had great wealth. He was chained to that wealth. You see, this guy invested in the wrong thing and that regret and sadness filled him. And Jesus knew that the only way to get unchained from that was to sell everything, give it to the poor, and then follow him. You see, greed operates on the assumption that all that matters in the world are the rewards that it can give us. Now, I was doing a little research, and I found this illustration of how, how these men trap animals for Africa, in Africa for zoos in America. And they said one of the hardest animals to catch is the ring-tailed monkey. And these Zulus, and, and on, that contact, on that continent, they found out how simple it can be. They take this little melon, and they fix it to the ground, and they put a little small hole in the top, and this, they put some seeds down in it. And the little ring-tailed monkey puts his small little paw down in it, and he grabs the seeds. And then he's like, he won't let go of the seeds. And what they do is they just sneak up on the monkey, and they just catch him, and he's like, ah! You know, and he, he doesn't want to let go of the seeds, you know. And it gets, it gets that little monkey in their clutches. And the same goes for greed, you know. It ultimately does destroy. It ultimately brings regret. It clutches. It also destroys our relationship with God and others. You know, I try to put a lot of my hard-earned money to try to bless my family my friends, and my future friends. You know, I think that's what God's will is for our lives, to deepen our relationship with God by giving and then giving generously to others. And I believe our purpose is to exist for the benefit of others just like Christ exist, existed for our benefit, and God continues to do that through the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so God's will for us is to invest in that. I want to tell you there are great, incredible benefits to generosity. I always look for the psychological benefits in, of action. And if, if there was a, a study done in 2007. Uh, they found that generosity improves mood, reduces stress, lowers blood pressure. And this study in 2007 used brain or imaging technology on 19 women to see how certain areas of the brain were activated when they were given $100 they kept it, and they studied the brain. But then when the ladies gave the $100 to the local food bank, the brain activity was higher in that region of happiness and joy. It was really fascinating. And so it turns out that that pleasure-related center of the brain lit up for those who took that money, and they gave it to the local food bank. We see this in Acts chapter 2 when the church was born. One of the first actions was generosity. It says there 
in 2, 42 through 45, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship and the breaking of the bread. Everyone was filled in awe. Many wonders and signs were performed by the apostles. All the believers were together. They had everything in common. They sold property and possession and gave it to anyone who had need. You see, when the Holy Spirit, when the church was born, generosity started. And it was powerful. You see, the early church, they saw the elimination of poverty right there. The community saw it. And people, it said the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You know, it teaches us that generosity can change someone else's world, too. It can be transformational. Denise Ferguson, she offers a very powerful testimony about how she was transformed in her life regarding this matter. Let's take a look at this uh, clip together. So I spent... um all of my life really running from my childhood, which was fraught with a lot of things, um, you know, addiction, abuse, um, and poverty. Um, you know, we grew up with all types of assistance, and I was totally committed to running from that um, significantly and having a very different life for me. Uh, so my whole life was a journey of accomplishment um, that was going to be a move away from how I grew up. I did well in school, got to go to a wonderful Ivy League institution. I was a runner. Turns out that running is a metaphor for pretty much my entire life for the first 40 years. Uh, did very, very well with that. Got to compete on a national level, train at the Olympic Training Center in Colorado, have a wonderful first, second, third, and so on job. Lots of great opportunities to do things and accomplish things, have more significant positions and earn larger paychecks. And um, I believed in all of that, um, that I was achieving my goals. Uh, I was providing that different lifestyle uh, for my kids. What I didn't fully realize until after literally my entire life broke um, everything was shattered. My marriage was shattered. My career was shattered. Um, we were back in a situation of extreme financial challenge um, that I didn't actually have anything. Uh, and uh, all of the things that I was running from were still fully ever-present inside me. Although thinking I was... Christian and prayed and went to church, I was still trying to do it all by myself. I accomplished more to deliver more materially for my kids and what I did in the process um, was abandon them at some level. So my epiphany moment was realizing um, how deeply I had failed and how much I just had to find a different path and find a closer and deeper and better relationship with the Lord and give it to Him 
the material chase of jobs and nice houses and not my childhood type situations um, doesn't really matter. <laughs> you know, I don't care if I live in a tent anymore. Um, I want to feel his presence in my life. I want to feel like I have probably stumbled and fallen into <laughs> his path for me. Um, and that I, he is using me on this earth for what he intended. And I'm good with that. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Jesus ends with these words, no one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate one or love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. He says you cannot serve both God and money. Who are you serving? Is this, well, greed, has it, has it taken you captive? Is this an area of your life where the Lord Jesus Christ needs to take leadership and we allow the Holy Spirit to help us navigate this? So where uh, are you finding true happiness and joy? You know, God promises to defend your heart, to guard your heart with his Holy Spirit to these things to make sure that your investment is in the spiritual and you'll never be the same. You will never be the same when generosity permeates your life. So maybe you've been trying to find happiness in things. You just can't shake this idea that if you have just a little more or a little more, you'd be happy. But maybe it's time to, to say, God, you know what? I surrender to you. Take leadership. You know, I usually challenge people to take a small step. But today I want to challenge you to take a large step in this area of your life? Are you willing to risk everything that is important to you to give over everything to God's leadership in your life? If you are, I'd, I'd love for you to pray with me and then we're gonna enter in a time where we can commune with God and experience his grace, his mercy, and his forgiveness at this table. Let's pray together. Dear Lord, God, we thank you for the very fact that you give this specific teaching and you know this is so vital for our spiritual lives. So, Lord, we want to turn this completely over to you. We can't be devoted to one or despise the other. We can't serve you and serve greed. So, Lord, today we commit our lives to you, our hearts to you. Have your way. Through this time of Holy Communion, may we... Uh, experience your forgiveness and your grace and commune with you and commune with each other because you exist for our benefit. We give thanks and we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.